Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is September the 2nd, 2022. Uh, summer on the way out. Goodness gracious, uh, believe it or not. Here we go. Labor Day weekend on top of us right now. Um, and I hope that all of you have had a wonderful summer. I know it's been a summer of great challenges for America and Americans, but um, I hope that somehow you, your family, those close to you, uh, had a great summer. And, um, you know, I wish all of us, every American, everybody here, safety, health, security, and a bright future. But, you know, um, our future is inextricably linked to the future of our country. Uh, It's supposed to be a country that represents the best interests of Americans. And for quite some time, that has not been the case. And it starts out with political corruption. It starts out with campaign contributions. And so, really, we the people have our work cut out for us. We need to make certain that the politicians come to understand that we're not the fools that they've been playing us for. And it's both parties. If there's anybody out there who thinks that simply voting for a candidate who's a Republican or a Democrat, depending on whatever your political orientations are, if you believe that that's the solution, you're crazy. It's a dangerous notion. Um, McConnell, the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, who's running around and saying, well, you know, we got lousy candidates. We're probably not going to gain control over the Senate as Republicans. Um, and you have to wonder why he's in a position of leadership. And full disclosure, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat, but the Democrats have gone off the rails. Those of you who are familiar with me, familiar with this program, know that My belief um, is about doing what's right for Americans. And neither party really has been doing that. That of late, the Democrats have truly gone off the rails. But where have the the Republicans been? And, you know, I focus on immigration. That's my background. And immigration is a major issue. It's not a single issue, but a singular issue because it impacts everything. And we're going to talk about some of that today. But what I really want to focus on, having listened to President Biden's speech yesterday, which, by the way, I found quite disconcerting, uh, it was worrying. The backdrop of the speech, the two Marines, the lighting, the, the whole business, vilifying tens of millions of Americans, making the claim that if you're a, quote, MAGA Republican, whatever the heck that means, Uh, that you don't believe in the Constitution, that you're a threat to our freedoms. I I was really waiting for the president to say that he was going to put uh, the Republican Party on the terror watch list. I mean, where do we go with this? I've never heard heard a president in all my life make a speech that so vilified Americans, that Hillary Clinton's basket of deplorables was horrible. What in the world do you make of Biden's speech yesterday? That the MAGA Republicans don't believe in the Constitution? 
I would argue that Joe Biden and the Democrats don't believe in the Constitution. And I can prove it. Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution states the following. Quote, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and an application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. Can someone please explain to me how the immigration crisis does not constitute an invasion? Someone please explain to me how you can make a case that we have no violence of significance when every year more than a hundred thousand people in America are dying of um, drug poisoning. I'm not even going to call it an overdose. As far as I'm concerned, America is suffering chemical warfare attacks. Because that's what fentanyl and these other poisons flowing freely across all of our borders. All of our, not just the Mexican border. Why on earth we keep hearing this stuff about the Mexican border, the Mexican border, the Mexican border, drugs and criminals and contraband flow into America every single day across the Canadian border, through our coastline, through our seaports, through our international airports. But even the conservative stations, crisis on the Mexican border, crisis on the Mexican border. And if you go back to when the Democrats and Republicans, the eight gangsters, as I call the Gang of Eight, once we secure the Mexican border, then we can give amnesty. We can give lawful status to all the aliens who are here right now so we'll know who's here. Lie after lie, propaganda after propaganda, being foisted on the American people by the politicians, so-called leaders, and boy, oh boy, we need to look up what the word leader should mean. We don't see much of it in our politicians. They're all, not all, but most are bought and paid for in my judgment. And we're being told that all we've got to worry about is that Mexican border. Because once you fix the Mexican border, the sun will shine, and men, I guess, will no longer need Viagra or God knows what. It's preposterous. It's preposterous. And it all started with lies going back decades, both parties. It started with Jimmy Carter saying we're no longer going to refer to illegal aliens as illegal aliens. We're going to call them undocumented workers. The term alien is not a pejorative. I keep making this point about the Orwellian language that's being used to deceive Americans. The term alien, according to the Immigration and Nationality Act, which is that overall body of law that the immigration agents are supposed to enforce, and they're not because of Biden. And I'd love to know who gives the president the authority to not only ignore standing laws, but order the personnel under his command to violate those laws. Think about that. You, you, you have a president who refuses to enforce the law. You've got drugs and terror, potentially terrorists and criminals flooding into the United States from everywhere. But it all started with the use of the language and saying that we're not going to call illegal aliens illegal aliens, which simply means any person not a citizen or national of the United States. That's the definition of alien, folks. Any person not a citizen or national of the United States, where's the insult? So the language got twisted, and then the lies began. Oh, the immigrants do the work Americans won't do. So first it was 
to gardening services, and then it was babysitting, and then it was dishwashers and the restaurants. When I grew up, I worked in a restaurant in the back as a dishwasher. I waited on tables at a local kosher deli here in Brooklyn. Where else would a Jewish kid in Brooklyn work? Many of my friends back in high school and college worked in restaurants. We didn't have illegal aliens working in restaurants. And slowly over time, as a way of driving down wages, there was an importation of massive numbers of illegal aliens, and we never addressed the issue of interior enforcement, which I keep harping on, but I will continue to until it starts to gain some traction so that people wake up and understand that you cannot control the border at the border alone. When we heard about the 87,000 IRS agents that the administration wants to hire, there were people out there saying, why would we hire IRS agents? We need Border Patrol agents. Actually, we need ICE agents. That's not to say that I don't have respect for the Border Patrol. They do dangerous, essential work. But their assignment and their, their bailiwick, if you will, is limited to the border, basically. Interdiction. Stop people in commerce that's being smuggled in between ports of entry. That's their job, period. Once you get past the border, the Border Patrol's mission ends. The Border Patrol mission essentially is to secure the border. And when aliens enter through ports of entry, particularly international airports, and disappear into the night, Border Patrol agents don't go looking for them. That's supposed to be done by immigration agents. When employers hire illegal aliens from within the interior, along the border, yes, the Border Patrol does check farms and ranches and employment within, you know, a reasonable distance of the border. But once you go within the interior, again, their mission ends. That assignment falls to ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. The 9-11 Commission was crystal clear that immigration fraud, people lying on applications for visas and political asylum and citizenship, those lies constitute immigration fraud. And according to the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, Immigration fraud was the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists. Guess who investigates fraud? Not the Border Patrol. They have nothing to do with it. That, again, is ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. So why do we keep hearing Border Patrol, Border Patrol, Border Patrol, and then we limit our concern to the Mexican border? Furthermore, immigration agents, ICE agents, are supposed to go after criminal aliens within the United States. They're supposed to work on various task forces, such as the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, the Joint Terrorism Task Force, the Violent Gang Task Force, not Border Patrol, but ICE. But the steady drumbeat about border, 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 that's what you keep hearing, border, border, border. So people are saying, we need more Border Patrol agents. We need ICE agents. And ICE was not configured properly. It shouldn't even have been called ICE. It should have simply been a standalone agency the way we used to have of special agents that enforce immigration laws throughout the interior of the United States, not coupled to other agencies. And they certainly should not have split off Customs and Border Protection from ICE, which does the interior mission. But that was something that was done by George W. Bush because he's a globalist. And it was John Hostetler, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, along with other courageous, moral, decent Republicans who combated Bush. And every time Bush would do something really dumb, which was basically any day with a Y in it, my phone would ring. I'd pick up the phone. 
And I would say to the folks on the other end, usually it was their chief counsel, but it might have been staffers or the chairman or so forth. I'd say, okay, what did he do now? And everyone knew who I was talking about. Or they would call me up and say, guess what he did? The he was invariably George W. Bush, not hiring the agents that he was given money to hire, not acquired the detention facilities that he was given money to uh, obtain. And in fact, frequently back then, Sheila Jackson Lee, for whom I testified a couple of times at hearings, called out George W. Bush for not doing his job, not hiring the agents, not enforcing the law, not acquiring detention space. That was when the world made sense. That was shortly after the terror attacks of 9-11. And in fact, what John Hostetler said was that the way the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, I call the Department of Homeland Surrender, uh, or when you consider how many NGOs, non-government organizations, so-called nonprofits, and that's a laughable term, nonprofits, they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars in contracts, but they're nonprofits. Um, I, I now call it the Department of Hospitality Services. And host Stettler called out Bush, saying that his administration did not do what was supposed to be done. They violated the Homeland Security Act and putting together DHS. They made it impossible to secure the borders and force the laws to protect the American people even after it was determined that the attacks of 9-11 and other such attacks were only possible because of multiple failures of immigration law enforcement, period. By the way, in just a couple of weeks, it's hard to believe, we will be coming up on the 21st anniversary of the terror attacks of September 11, 2001. 21 years, a generation ago. That now means that there are adults, American adults, living in America, who were born after the attacks of 9-11. And when you listen to the rhetoric of the radical left saying that on that day some people did something, wow. I have actually encountered young Americans who know more about Pearl Harbor and December 7, 1941, than they do about the terror attacks of 9-11. Outrageous. This is an existential threat to America and Americans. And Joe Biden amped up the risks to a level that is unprecedented and unparalleled in my judgment. And it happened with the way that we departed Afghanistan, that we left behind billions of dollars of first-rate military hardware, that more than 5,000 terrorists were released from custody, that we have an open border that easily facilitates the entry of criminals and terrorists into the United States, that the narcotics being peddled on street corners across America in part fund China, fund Hezbollah, fund the terrorist organizations, fund the gangs. And we come back to Biden talking about the Constitution. The United States shall guarantee to every state of this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion. Is this not an invasion? The term invasion, by the way, if anyone has any doubts, is an incursion by a large number of people or things into a place or sphere of activity, an unwelcome intrusion into another's domain. Do you not think that millions of illegal aliens easily entering the United States with no impediments and then being flown around the country by the administration of the United President, that doesn't constitute an invasion? 
And you've got these mayors from New York, Washington, D.C., and Chicago jumping up and down and doing cartwheels and somersaults. Boy, there's an image for you. And yodeling at the top of their lungs that the governor of Texas is, is, is showing no respect for these people by busting them into their domains. I guess they would call that an invasion. Those aliens, ladies and gentlemen, would not be here if the Biden administration had lived up to its obligation and enforced the immigration laws. It is illegal. It is illegal to entice, induce, encourage aliens to enter the United States illegally or remain thereafter illegally or transport them. The president has a wide-ranging discretion. Uh, prosecutorial discretion, if you will. I wrote an article about Obama, the way he implemented uh, DACA, which courts have ruled is illegal. And I said that what Obama called prosecutorial discretion should more properly be called prosecutorial deception. The president could certainly say we don't want to arrest aliens who don't have criminal histories. I think it's wrong, uh, but I do think we should emphasize those in criminal histories, but to maintain the integrity of the immigration system, Aliens who are here illegally should not feel that they can go to sleep at night confident that tomorrow won't be the day they get apprehended and deported. And I had those conversations with Senator Aldemano back in the early 80s when I worked with him to create the aggravated felon reentry law that makes reentry after deportation a 20-year felony for criminal aliens. It used to be a two-year felony with no distinction about criminal history. Under the Trump administration, Reentry by criminal aliens was the number one most frequently prosecuted felony for the entire Department of Justice. And now we're being told by the Biden administration, employers can hire illegal aliens, no problem, just don't mistreat them. If aliens lie on their applications for citizenship and commit immigration fraud, the, the Biden administration will stand by them and protect them because they're Americans, and Americans should be protected by their government. Really? How are Americans being protected by their governments when last year more than 100,000 died of drug poisoning? Let's get away from the term overdose, because if you look at the way the fentanyl is coming into the country, looking as though it is a legitimate medication or looking like candy, it's not an overdose. People are taking it thinking it's something other than what they're taking to being poisoned intentionally by America's enemies. And what is the Biden administration doing about it? Upkiss, zero, nada, as in not a damn thing. I spent half my 30-year career with the drug task force. The level of violence associated with the drug trade is off the charts. It is on par with what terrorists do. In Mexico, the violence has gone through the roof, and the Mexican cartels use the tactics of the terrorists, beheadings and so forth, to intimidate anybody who would dare rat them out or steal from their proceeds and so forth. And we've had congressional hearings about this. Um, I've quoted this before. I'm going to quote it again. And then I want to go back to what Biden had to say last night. And that backdrop was more than disturbing, standing there with those two Marines on, on either side flanking him. What have you seen the president deliver a speech flanked by the Marines in that fashion, such a strident speech in which he basically called out millions of Americans for being extremists. He talked about white extremists, white supremacists. Uh, And by the way, I want to be real clear about something. In my world, my Cutler world, okay, 
anybody, I don't care who you are, anybody who believes that violence is justified for political purposes is dead wrong, is doing something dangerous, un-American, and needs to be stopped. Violence should have no place in a political discourse in a democracy. But where did the violence begin? It began during the Trump campaign, if people have forgotten, when people showed up in the campaigns, disrupted the campaigns, when people participating in the rallies walked out into the street, they were attacked, they were beaten. Um, That wasn't being done by MAGA Republicans. That was being done by Joe Biden's friends, the radical left, because that's where Joe Biden stands. There's no other way of saying it except to say he now stands with the radical left. Policies swing way to the left. But all he talked about was the, the radicals or the extremists on the right. Think about that. Extremists who use violence or the threat of violence are getting it wrong and need to be called out, but Biden didn't do that. Joe Biden talked about the radical right or the extremists on the right who intimidated the politicians. How in the world did Joe Biden not talk about those who demonstrated outside the homes of the Supreme Court justices? And in fact, one individual was arrested because he had a plan to to assassinate Justice Kavanaugh. It's one-sided. He talks about wanting to be a uniter. How? by vilifying essentially half of America? Think about the overheated rhetoric, going to school board meetings to complain about the curriculum being taught to their children were to be considered domestic terrorists. But with all of this going on, the terrorists who are likely entering the United States and threaten our safety are entering with the blessing, really, of this administration, or certainly not being impeded by this administration. And there was an interesting report on Fox News a couple of days ago about how Border Patrol agents said they were told to turn off the seismic sensors that alert to footprints, to the noise of people running on the ground. So we talk about getaways. The reason that they think they know how many getaways there are is because of how many times the sensors have gone off and they weren't able to respond. Now it turns out that sensors were being turned off. So there's obviously even more getaways that enter the United States. This as we approach the 21st anniversary of the attacks of 9-11. And I want you to remember, as I always like to remind people, about the number 19. We're looking at millions of aliens who came through easily and were given the opportunity to apply for political asylum, which we know is bogus, but that will overwhelm the asylum system, making fraud much easier but also realize that you have people coming into the country without detection. There's no record of their entry. We have no fingerprints. We have no photographs. Uh, It may be a a bogus name, but we have Bupkis. We have Nada. And meanwhile, on 9-11, there was 19 terrorists who carried out the attacks. 19. And here we're dealing with millions of people. So if even a fraction of 1% of those people readily flowing across our borders or affiliated with terrorism, we are in deep trouble. And by the way, not every terrorist blows up an airplane or attacks a building or engages in, in, if you want to call it, warfare, asymmetric warfare. There are many terrorists who have supporting roles. 
if you look at the Apollo program, they're about to launch Artemis tomorrow, hopefully. Um, it was an army of scientists, engineers, and technicians that launched those three astronauts on each one of those missions to the moon. It was an army, tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people, and the astronauts got to ride on the tip of the spear, literally, the Apollo capsule on top of the Saturn V rockets. But every one of those people, whether they swept the floor, designed the rockets, fueled the rockets, uh, helped the astronauts into their suits, or, or worked in mission control, every one of them were part of the mission. That's the same case with terrorism. If you look at an aircraft carrier, it's only about, I think it's 5%, I don't want to get the numbers wrong, but it, it's somewhere around, I believe, 5% of the personnel on an aircraft carrier are physically involved with flying the airplane. The rest of the crew is there to support those pilots that jump into the cockpits and go off uh, to conduct their missions. But everybody on that aircraft carrier wears that Navy uniform and with pride and deservedly so, because they are all essential to the mission. You have people in this country today who should not be here, or maybe entered under pretext committing immigration fraud, which the Biden administration said is, okay, we don't care about fraud any longer. Just don't lie in your tax returns. This will stick the IRS on you. But if you're an illegal alien or you came here with a visa and lied to get the visa, that's okay for Mr. Biden and Mr. Mayorkas and Kamala Harris, if she even understands what's going on. How does that make sense? Because the people that are here may be involved in raising money, they might be doing it by selling drugs or committing crimes. They're here to perhaps provide a bed for somebody that shows up. You know, they tell them if so-and-so shows up, just let them sleep in the basement, provide them with whatever they need. So you have all these people involved with support roles, uh, maybe going out there and photographing a facility that they're thinking about attacking, and we have found people like that being arrested by the FBI, by Homeland Security taking photographs and scouting out potential locations for terror attacks. They are terrorists. Just like the people that work on the aircraft carrier that are not pilots are still essential to the mission, these people are essential to the mission of terrorism in the United States or terrorism committed around the world against our allies, killing innocent people. So when you allow people to float freely across our borders, um, whether legally, illegally, however it happens, you're leaving the door literally and figuratively open to the next terror attack. You're leaving the door open to criminals and terrorists and gangbangers and narcotics. Every day people are dying in America. This is a war. It's a war being waged on many fronts. And to simply be told, oh, all we've got to do is worry about the Mexican border is crazy. Um, by the way, just, just to give you a little bit more background, and I've probably done this before, but I want this message to be clear with you, because this is Labor Day weekend, probably among the last barbecues we're going to be doing. And that's just across the Mexican border. It's coming in through Canada, it's coming in along our coastline, through seaports, through international airports. When I was an immigration inspector at Kennedy Airport, and I did that job for four years before I became an INS special agent, uh, we had people at the airport coming in 
who had swallowed balloons and condoms loaded with heroin, loaded with cocaine. In some cases, those balloons or condoms ruptured and these people died. They wound up taking dead bodies off of airplanes or people going into the hospital, um, you know, on death's doorstep. This was back in the 70s. This isn't new. But all we're told to do is watch the Mexican border. Why? So that perhaps we don't realize just how pervasive this threat is. Why? Perhaps because too many people are making money off of the drug trade, off of the employment and exploitation of foreign workers that drive down the wages for Americans, that leads to more homelessness in America. It impacts everything. By the way, uh, the big story now is that reading scores for fourth graders are at an all-time low, perhaps lower than it's been in a, de- in a century. Think about that. Then immediately, what is the, what's the report? Oh, this is because of the COVID lockdowns. Really, that's it. One issue. It, it's just great. You know, you, you, you zoom in on the magic bullet. Oh, it was the COVID lockdowns. Let me tell you something. I don't doubt that the COVID lockdowns had an impact, and not a good one, on the education of American children. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. Um, And especially when you have children that are living in dysfunctional families, they're getting their meals at school. I mean, you know, it's hard to believe it. But that's what we really need to have is empathy for other Americans and other people and understand that not everyone lives the way that we do. That's one of the things lacking in America is is empathy. We should be inculcating our our fellow Americans with empathy for everybody. And that's not weakness. I I hear these people use the term bleeding heart liberal. Listen, being empathetic, being sympathetic isn't a crime. It's an attribute, not a vice. It's not a negative. It's a positive. If we really understand the plight of other people, then we can start to understand the issues and come up with policies that will really work. Who do you want for a friend, a cold-hearted SOB who doesn't care about anybody but himself or herself, or somebody who's compassionate? I can tell you that all of my friends are compassionate. I have no room in my heart for people who have a cold heart. Most of us, I believe, are like that. We should be. But the idea is that compassion should be applying first and foremost to Americans. I take care of my own children before I look to take care of anybody else. The country should be obligated to taking care of its own citizens. I wrote an article quite a while ago, and it actually became part of President Trump's inaugural address. I said that every politician who runs for office, particularly those who run for president, should be willing to take a pledge of allegiance to the American people, much the way that we take a pledge to the flag of the United States and to the republic for which it stands. Why does compassion not apply to Americans? So you have American kids going to school, Finally, they're taking tests and they're scoring terribly. Could be COVID. Part of it could be because the people taking the tests to many of these schools are illegal aliens who are not English proficient. How do you think they're scoring on those tests? That pulls down the numbers. In many schools, especially in in, in the tough neighborhoods, lots of the students are aliens who can't speak, read, or write English. Uh, Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, did a study about 15, 18 years ago, and they said it costs 20 to 40% more to educate children who are not English proficient. In fact, lots of money is being diverted from providing special services for American kids who have learning disabilities, which can be very successful. My own son is a successful engineer. 
had a full scholarship that he's on the autism spectrum. It was early intervention and those special services that made all the difference in the world. He is a successful engineer, just got a promotion, in fact. I can't tell you how proud we are of him. Would not have been possible without the brilliant work of those dedicated teachers, especially the special ed teachers, uh, who really, uh, I don't even know what to say. I could get emotional. We didn't know if he could live independently when he was a child, and today he soars like an eagle. We could not be more proud because of those great teachers and those programs that are currently losing money so that they could spend more money on English as a second language. You think that maybe this is having a deleterious impact on reading scores of American children or students in the United States? They don't, the schools of many jurisdictions don't even talk about whether the, the child is an American or an alien or here illegally or whatever. So this notion, we're going to simply say, yes, it's because of COVID. Baloney. There's a lot of moving parts to the educational system. There's a lot of moving parts to all these systems. And the idea of finding a simplistic magic bullet solution is stupidity run amok. Maybe it's because a lot of these kids are now living in dysfunctional homes where there's drug abuse. Maybe there's violence. So these kids are really in, in, in deep trouble. Because with drug abuse comes dysfunction, people losing jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Homelessness is a growing problem. Look at all the homelessness that we're seeing in America. Never saw it like that before. How do you think those kids are faring in school if they don't have a, a house to live in, an apartment to live in? you think that that's helpful to the way that they're able to study and succeed and prepare themselves for a happy and successful life when they become adults? not just COVID. It's not just the southern border. I'm sick and tired of this simplistic approach. Once we secure the Mexican border, now that we've stopped, you know, uh, the COVID lockdowns, no, this is complex. And we need to understand all the elements. An airplane flies because it's got many, many, many moving parts. And most of those parts are critical. That if the part fails, the airplane crashes. It's not just the landing gear or the engines or the control surfaces or the avionics, and, and each one of those systems has that many parts. You can't just point to one part and say, yep, that's the part, that part failed. No, there's lots of parts, and there's lots of parts to the educational system, to national security, to public safety, public health, and all of them right now are being ignored by politicians who have been bought and paid for to act not in favor of what's best for Americans, but against Americans. And I guess those are the MAGA Republicans that Joe Biden hates so much. Americans who actually think that Americans, Americans should be the priority for the government of the United States. Think about Abraham Lincoln, who envisioned an America that, that provided a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. I can assure you that Joe Biden does not subscribe to that. And then he vilifies Americans who disagree with him in such a way as to say that they are a threat? Could that not incite some unstable or worked-up individuals to act violently? This is irresponsible language by the man who was supposed to lead our nation and promise to bring us together. Really? Is that the way you do it? By declaring fellow Americans to be a threat? And with all this going on, we heard nothing about the need to protect America or Americans as we approach the 21st anniversary of the terror attacks of September 11, 2001. 
I talked about immigration fraud. Here's a quote from the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu-Alima involved in both the World Trade Center and Landmark Plot to see temporary residents under the seasonal agriculture worker program after falsely claiming he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck using the bombing, this is the 93 bombing at the Trade Center, overstayed his tourist visa. He was an illegal alien. And you have sanctuary cities today who are giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens, right? Because consider that it next says, he, meaning Mohammed Salome, next applied for permanent residency under the Agricultural Worker Program, but was rejected. Iyad Mahmoud Ishmael, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa, that after he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. He was an illegal alien. Being out of status means you are deportable. Not the mission of the Border Patrol, the mission of ICE. When was the last time you heard any journalist emphasize interior enforcement? When I testified before Congress in November of 2001, before the Immigration Reform Caucus, I talked about the Immigration Enforcement Tripod. Under my concept, the immigration inspectors, again, a job I did for four years, enforce the immigration laws at ports of entry. The Border Patrol enforces the immigration laws between ports of entry. And we have to now consider the third leg of the tripod, interior enforcement carried out by immigration agents, ICE agents. That mission has always been neglected, ignored, defunded. 87,000 new IRS agents, adding to tens of thousands of already on-the-job agents. And we have all of 6,000 ICE agents right now who aren't even doing ICE. But when you look at all the missions, because it's immigration and customs enforcement, so ICE agents are also responsible for going after city porn, money laundering, intellectual property theft, and, and uh, um, patent infringement. Guy Marshals, you name it, all folded into ICE. And customs enforcement, by the way. Why? Well, Bush did it because he did not want the immigration laws enforced. That's why his administration prosecuted two Border Patrol agents who did their job, Ramos and Compion. And we've all forgotten, of course, about Fast and Furious, where Brian Terry, a Border Patrol agent, uh, an American member of the military, was killed by a gun that was believed now to have been permitted to walk to Mexico. Lots of guns walked to Mexico, and Fast and Furious was never investigated, never prosecuted. Wow. But Joe Biden will talk about the Constitution and ignore that we're supposed to protect the states from domestic violence. And we know what's going on in Latin America. And by the way, another story before we get to that. I, I want you to listen to this. This is page 54 of the report that we've been talking about. The title was uh, Section 3.2, Terrorist Travel Tactics by Plot. Now I'm reading some of the report. Let me just get a sip of water here. Bear with me. Sorry about that. Well, there, the, although there is evidence that some land and sea uh, border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering an airport. Who's talking about people coming in through international airports today, folks? 
Name a news program that's talking about what happens to aliens who enter and then disappear when they come through international airports. Because most of the terrorists said that. That's what they're saying here. Although there is evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occur, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering airports. In so doing, they relied on a wide variety of fraudulent documents, on aliases, on government corruption. There's a surprise, right? Government corruption. Because terrorist operations were not suicide missions in the early to mid-1990s, once in the United States, terrorists and their supporters, and that's what I was telling you, their supporters, tried to get legal immigration status that would permit them to remain here primarily by committing serial or repeated immigration fraud, by claiming political asylum, by marrying Americans. And many of these tactics remain largely unchanged and undetected throughout the 1990s and up to the 9-11 attack. So we know what's going on. We know immigration fraud is a huge threat. And Mayork is the head of Homeland Security, Homeland Surrender, the Department of Hospitality Services, call it what you will, has stated unequivocally, immigration fraud will not be pursued. If you lie, good for you, we'll protect you for lying. Really? This is the tactic used by most of the terrorists who killed people or tried to kill Americans in the United States. But don't worry, the Biden administration has your back. Wow. And then finally, this paragraph states, thus abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activities. It remained largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terrorist travel patterns until after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and therefore deadly terrorist operations were missed. The Border Patrol does no interior enforcement. ICE does. So again, I'm going to ask you, name the last time that you heard anybody discussing interior enforcement when they talk about the immigration crisis. The 12th of never, perhaps. Why are we being misled? Then page 61, exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there's evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors, again, something that ICE goes after, ladies and gentlemen, fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have the credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. Finally, page 98, terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans had to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen achieving temporary worker status or applying for asylum after entering. That's what we're seeing now. Millions of asylum applicants flooding the system so it's impossible to scrutinize the applications, folks. Right? As already discussed, it can be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, that's DACA, or applying for asylum after entering. I know I repeated it. I want it to sink in. I want you to understand this is what you're not hearing in the news. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed 
to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. Wow. By the way, it is important to note that bin Laden, uh, in his library, this is according to the New York Times, Osama bin Laden Library, Illuminati and Bob Woodward, May 2nd, 2011. This is a paragraph uh, out of the New York Times. He, meaning Obama, uh, Osama bin Laden, also appeared to have maintained a key interest in what the United States government thought of al-Qaeda. A copy of the 9-11 Commission report was found in the compound at Abbottabad, as were three reports on al-Qaeda by the Congressional Research Service. There was also an application for American citizenship, but no word on whether it was filled out. Think about all that. And then we get to a hearing that was conducted um, on April 17, 2018, by the House Counterterrorism and Intelligence Subcommittee. Peter King was the chairman of that subcommittee. The topic was the state sponsors of terrorism and examination of Iran's global terrorism network. The uh, following testimony is an excerpt from the remarks of Emmanuel Ortolenge, who he is with the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates, often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Cooperation includes the laundering of drug money, arranging multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, and directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. Proceeds from these activities finance Hezbollah's arms procurement, terror activities overseas, its hold on Lebanon's political system and its efforts both in Lebanon and overseas to keep Shia's communities loyal to its cause and complicit in its endeavors. And this next paragraph is the killer. This is what keeps me awake at night. This toxic crime terror nexus, that is Hezbollah and the human traffickers and drug smugglers, often one of the same. This toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. Isn't that what we're seeing? In numbers that we've never seen before, folks. To continue reading, it is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs, helping Iran and Hezbollah consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America, thus facilitating their efforts, Iran's efforts, to build safe havens for terrorists and a continent-wide terror infrastructure they could use to strike U.S. targets. And Biden yesterday talks about the Constitution. If this isn't an invasion by America's enemies, I don't know what is. It's really vital that we sit down with our neighbors and have a heart-to-heart conversation. This whole idea about compassion isn't really compassion. And I can tell you from my experience as an INS agent, and this isn't just from Latin America because universal uh, human conduct is universal. Human nature is the same no matter what race, religion, ethnicity, or nationality you look at. People are people are people. And if you go back to the days of Julius Caesar, the same political treachery existed then that exists now. Human nature is a constant. 
And when criminals come to the United States from other countries, they generally live within the ethnic immigrant communities that most closely resemble who they are. If they're from Asia, they're going to live within the Asian community. If they're from the Caribbean, they're going to live within the Caribbean community. If they're from Mexico, they're going to live within the Mexican or the Latino community. And when they are criminals, because of where they live, guess who suffers? It's the people living in the immigrant communities who thought they were getting away from the thugs, the violence, and the corruption by coming to America. And now that they're here, they find out that the people who scare the hell out of them in their home countries are scaring them again right here in these United States of America. Why? Because we refuse to secure our borders, all of them, and enforce immigration laws. This is insanity. And Joe Biden had the chutzpah to stand there and refer to MAGA Republicans as a threat, as a threat, talked about how intimidation has no place in America, but he was just hunky-dory okay with demonstrators demonstrating and getting crazy outside of the homes of members of the United States Supreme Court, which is illegal. It's a federal law that they're violating that could have been enforced, could have been brought to bear to move them along, but he didn't. And, in fact, the White House said it's good they're demonstrating. It's the First Amendment. No, it's not the First Amendment. It's intimidation. Just like Maxine Waters chanting or screaming and exhorting her followers, get in their faces. If you see a member of the Trump administration in a restaurant or a gas station, get in their faces, scream at them, yell at them, make them know that they're not welcome. And Biden says intimidation has no place. Has he had that conversation with Maxine? You have to wonder. Bothers me the most is hypocrisy. What bothers me is that you'd be hard hard pressed to find political leaders in either party who look at immigration for what it is, a multifaceted issue that impacts virtually every challenge and threat that we as Americans face today. And this is not a statement of xenophobia. You're not antisocial if you lock your door at night. You're demonstrating good common sense. You know, I like to make the point that most people like to have company, but not when they climb through their bedroom windows at 3 o'clock in the morning. I really think that that we've gotten to that point that nobody who's rational and reasonable can ignore where we are. The fentanyl deaths, the ongoing threat of terrorism, And how many analysts have said that because of what happened in Afghanistan, they fear that within a year or at most two, Al-Qaeda, ISIS will have reconstituted themselves sufficiently in Afghanistan to be capable of launching terror attacks inside the United States. The backdrop for that is Iran is rushing towards the completion of enough fissile material to create bombs. And we have no control over our borders, but Hezbollah, through the cartels, has control over our borders. And yet Mr. Biden talks about the Constitution, blithely ignoring Article 4, Section 4. The states are to be protected against invasion. It's mind-boggling. We're told that nobody is above the law, right? Nobody is above the law. How about the mayors and governors of sanctuary cities? They're violating Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1324, which addresses the issue of aiding, abetting, inducing, harboring, shielding aliens to enter illegally and remain thereafter illegally and transporting them. 
Are we not seeing that in sanctuary cities? What action, if any, has been taken against those mayors, those governors, those chiefs of police who refuse to honor detainers to protect people from aliens who are criminals and have no right to be in the United States and indeed should be removed from the United States? But remember, nobody's above the law. Hillary Clinton and what she did with her documents, and she wasn't president, only secretary of state. The president can classify or declassify documents. I'm not going to claim to be an expert on these matters. But certainly, the fact that she did what she did, and you heard the way it was laid out, but yet no charges were lodged against her, but nobody is above the law. It's remarkable. Illegal aliens flow easily into the United States. And they're encouraged and they're aided, abetted, and provided with housing and medical care and clothing. But keep remembering, nobody's above the law. It's incredible to me. Aliens now can lie on applications for United States citizenship. And for terrorists, citizenship is a big deal. That's why, think about why Bin Laden had in his compound an application for citizenship. Many terrorists have acquired citizenship before they began working to carry out terror attacks. Think of Faisal Shazad, the Times Square bomber. Think of the Sarnayev brothers who did the Boston Marathon attack. They all committed immigration fraud. And now this administration said that their policy is to not pursue those investigations and punish those people who commit immigration fraud. But we're told by the very same administration, nobody is above the law. It's astonishing. It's astonishing. We have a two-tier justice system. If Americans make a mistake on their tax returns, there's an army of IRS agents who I can assure you can't wait to extract every penny that they can get out of them. But aliens who lie on applications for immigration benefits, which was a, a crime committed by terrorists, and we know that's their key method of entry and vetting, they will go uninvestigated and unpunished even while we are told by this administration that nobody is above the law. With all these lies and all this nonsense and the lies you've been hearing for years about the work Americans won't do by both parties, and we need to give these people legal status so we will know who they are. How will you know who they are? There's no capacity to interview millions of people, certainly no capacity to conduct any kind of a field investigation. All the adjudicator will have to go by is what the alien puts down on their application, and they will have maybe 15 or 20 minutes to adjudicate the application. Don't tell me that that way we'll know who's here. They will lie about their identity. They will lie about their entry date. They will lie about their potential affiliation with criminal or terrorist organizations. I've read to you how frequently immigration fraud figured prominently in the terrorists. But the big lie from both parties, now we'll know who's here. Sure thing. We'll be giving them them to hide behind. That costume is a fake ID. But nobody is above the law. I think everyone has lost sight of the fact that all of these government officials are the employees of the American people, not the lobbyists who may pay them. Problem is the politicians forgot who they work for because they now have an employer-employee relationship with lobbyists and globalists the American Immigration Lawyers Association, um, many members of Congress, you know, have been involved with aliens. 
they have a vested interest in a massive amnesty program because for them, the immigration system is not a system of laws that are designed to protect America and Americans, but a system that delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor. And it's not just the illegals, it's the high-tech visas also. An unlimited supply of foreign tourists. That's why Reagan gave us the visa waiver program, ill-conceived as it was. Even it was involved with the creation of the visa lottery, signed into law by George Herbert Walker Bush. The system also delivers an unlimited supply of foreign students. Turns out we've been educating our enemies, China, Iran, all these people. First-rate education in engineering and science and so forth so that now China can threaten the free world. And finally, the system is providing an unlimited number of clientele for the immigration law firms. And I keep coming back to Biden talking about the Constitution, the threats posed by MAGA Republicans, and the fact that nobody's above the law. Wow. I want someone to explain, if no one's above the law, why all of these people who are clearly violating our immigration laws, including the President and Secretary of Homeland Security, Mayorkas, are able to do what they're doing in direct violation of standing immigration laws that were designed to protect us. Lie after lie. Obviously, there are people who are above the law. Think about Lois Lerner and how she took the fifth when she was asked about her practices that locked out conservative groups when they were applying for status with the IRS, and she yet, yet she kept her pension. When I got my badge as a new agent, they told us all the same thing. As federal employees, you will always have the Fifth Amendment, but if you have to fall back on it to explain what you did or did not do in your official capacity, take out your badge, take a hard look at it, because you're not going to see it again. It's going away. But not Lois Lerner, even though nobody is above the law. We, the people, have to make it clear to the politicians that we are on to this, that we know who they are, we know what they're doing. You've got Republicans and Democrats alike saying that we need to legalize massive numbers of illegal aliens. There'd be no way to interview anybody. They could then bring in all of their family, meaning their, their minor children, their spouses. We would be overwhelmed. And both parties are espousing a desire to do that. Shame on us if we don't pay more attention to our responsibilities as American citizens. By the way, requiring people to show ID when they vote, we have to show ID to do just about anything and everything from make a purchase with a credit card to get on board an airplane. It's not anti-passenger to expect people to show ID uh, when they get on an airplane. It's not anti-voter or voter suppression to want to make certain that the people who vote truly should be voting. We've got to stop being intimidated. We've got to stop being gullible. And we need to exercise the First Amendment and have conversations with our neighbors because democracy is not a spectator sport. I hope you all have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Hope the weather cooperates wherever you are. And I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long for now, everybody. Be well. Stay safe.